Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, speaking to you on a podcast that can be heard on NWI.com, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Crusaders rise again. Valpo goes 4-0 in Canada, including an amazing come-from-behind victory, scoring 14 straight points in their second game, and then grabbing victory from the jaws of defeat against Carleton, a team that nobody beats, uh, has won 14 of the last 17 Canadian National Championships. Valpo was up 71-64 late in regulation. They, they cough up that lead. It goes to overtime. Valpo looks like it's, it's not going to go their way, and Javon Freeman-Liberty makes an amazing steal, and the ball ends up bouncing around, and Daniel Sackey grabs it and throws it in for a three-pointer. I'm not going to get too much into the Canadian trip right now. Matter of fact, I'm done talking about the Canadian trip for this week because next week I'll talk much more about it uh, in detail. We'll break it down with a couple of the people that were uh, involved, and uh, we're looking forward to that. But today, we do this once a year or so. We do this a couple times a year, but uh, today, joined by a very special guest, Director of Athletics, Mark LaBarbera. Thank you, as always, for joining us here. Always a pleasure to be part of Union Street Hoops, Paul. Uh, this is year number four, and this is probably the fourth or fifth time that we've we've had you on here. And it's uh, the beginning of the academic year. The students are moving in here. Some of the teams, most of the teams in the fall are already back, all of them, I think. Right? All of the fall teams are back as of today. I believe Cross Country reported today they're the last of the fall, fall teams. So the Valpo fan base, their eyes are on the program from like August until May, and then mm-hmm. everyone gets a bit of a break. What is your break like as a as a director of athletics? Do you get a break? Do you? I mean, what do the summer months mean for you? Well, there are there is a lot in the summer. Um, we have conference meetings. A, a lot of that happens in the summer. So a lot of June was taken up with um, with um, Pioneer Football League meetings, Missouri Valley Conference meetings. We also try to do a lot of um, donor kind of uh, outreach during the summer. So there's been a lot of travel to talk to. Um, to donors, to Velpo alums in, in various places or around the country. But I do get a break. Uh, did have the opportunity. My wife and I did have the opportunity to go to um, to, to Europe. I saw and, that, um, yeah. Have a little vacation. Our first time uh, abroad ever. So Sally and I had a, had a wonderful time. So we did, we did get a little break in there. But there was a lot of activity, too. Well, there were a lot of cosmetic changes that happened here over the over the summer, really from the jump, the new turf at Brownfield. Right. Um, just talk about that process a little bit. When did you guys identify that this needed to happen, and, and how excited are you for it? Uh, the the turf is 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 a, is a great upgrade to Brownfield. We knew probably a year and a half, twenty four months ago that that the Brownfield needed to be replaced. It's hard to believe, but it was it's been ten years yeah. since we put the synthetic turf in, um, and we knew what the useful life of that was when we put it in. Um, so we knew we were coming to the end, and, and it was clear that there were some issues with it. It had gotten kind of uneven in spots, and it was starting to get um, – the seams are starting to come apart, which is expected at that point. So um, this summer we put in field turf, which is like the Cadillac of, of um, synthetic turf. It's what a lot of um, pro facilities um, – Use. So we're very excited about that. We were also able to make it a nicer facility by taking out the concrete curb yep. that was in there. That was put in originally because the field was put in before the track, so they needed something to anchor it to. 
So with the track in, we were able to get rid of the concrete curb, which makes it much better for soccer. Um, it, it's really a, it's it's a great great um, f- uh, facility now. Um, I think anybody that I know the teams that have been out it on it, we've talked to them and they're very excited about it. It has a much better feel to it. Um, it's it's just it's 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 great. I don't know what else to say. And it looks good. We it we changed great. the we changed the graphics on it. Uh, a little bit more brown and gold, but not um, some of the end zone stuff like we had before. Um, so I think it, it's got a really good look to it. But uh, more importantly, it is a first-rate surface. So I, I want to circle back to some of the cosmetic changes mm-hmm. around here. But you said a little bit more brown and gold. We'll get to the basketball team a bit more here down the line today. But the basketball team was just in Canada, and they were wearing brown and gold jerseys. Right. We haven't seen that a lot. I really, you know, recently I thought the colors of the basketball team were, like, black and gray. Right. But, um is there a push to embrace more brown and gold? Do you, do you expect to see that a little bit more? There is a push to embrace more brown and gold. I mean, it is our colors. It has been our colors for a long time. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the way we've been branding. Um, I know there's been conversation about that. We're, we're really primarily using the Velpo in the shield, and, and the reason for that is Velpo is very much a national brand. So when we say Velpo, people know what that is, um, and I think the brown and gold go with it. And there, I think... There was a little hesitation maybe um, with some of the coaches about, well, brown. We're not sure that the kids like the brown. But really, the more we use the brown, the more the kids like it. So um, some of the teams, women's soccer, um, softball, they really kind of got out in front of it. And they had some really good-looking stuff. And then women's basketball jumped in. And then then last year, we got a third, we got the brown for men's basketball. And the kids really liked them. The kids would frequently ask, hey, can we wear the brown instead of the gold? So um, the more we get into it and the more we kind of embrace it, um, the more the kids, I think, really embrace the whole tradition of it and get behind it. So you'll see more of it. Um, and it's as it should be. Um, we are the brown and gold. I believe it says that in our fight song. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, the practice gym at Hilltop. You know, we, I, I don't want to jump too much. I, this is a time I'm going to make a plug here uh, for people who are listening. You go to ValpoAthletics.com. There was a great interview that Brandon mm-hmm. Vickery did with yeah. you that you touched on a lot of stuff. And I don't want to piggyback too much on that. But you did talk about the new practice gym at Hilltop. And it's the oldest building on campus, mm-hmm. right? Um just talk about kind of how that came about and, and just how excited you are for everything that is. I mean, it looks great. The timeline out there on the wall, it just looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, we're really excited about that. Um, what we tried to do is um, we, we were looking for projects that we knew that we could get done that would make us better. Um, and one of the things we're talking with um, the basketball coaches was the quality of the practice facility. Where would they have a private space to do teaching? Um, but more importantly, where could we get a, a quality space it's, it's no um, secret that the ARC's not air-conditioned. Um, that's a pretty big project. So we realized as we were looking at it that we could air-condition the hilltop and make that a really quality space for practice, give them a real kind of private place where they could have um, quality practices. So we went out and we were able to find um, some donors. That ended up being probably all in with the air-conditioning and everything. I think we said $650,000, $700,000 project. Um, but now we have a quality space. The basketball teams love it. The volleyball team loves it. They would prefer to go up there on most days because it's just a much better environment, uh, teaching environment, and it looks great. And um, one of the things we wanted to do, too, is we really wanted to honor our tradition and honor it. Um, you had mentioned it is um, the oldest building on campus now. 
Uh, it was opened in 1939. It was the first building built by the Lutheran Education Association after they bought the um, university. Um, so there's a lot of history in it. If you go look at the timeline, I'm glad you mentioned that, you can see the tremendous history there from Opie Kretzman's inauguration to Bobby Kennedy speaking. Um, I'm, a, a lot of people did their registration in there when they think about classes, they yeah. think about being in there. Just some great events and some great basketball. We were thrilled we were able to find the pictures of Larry Bird and, and um, um, Mark Aguirre playing in there and, and um, just some of our great teams. So we're thrilled with it. But the important thing was understanding what we could get done in a reasonable in a, in a short period of time that would make the program better. And what we've always looked at is what do we know we can get done that will make the program better and continue to move it forward. And that was clearly something that was going to meet that criteria. And I guess that begs the question, as all the fans always ask all right. the time, I, I would imagine you get this more than any other question, is what about the arena itself? And you talk about things that can get done. You said in the interview with Brandon that, that you guys had some plans that you were looking at and everything. I guess it, it feels like a, you know, a, a question we ask all the time, but I guess kind of are we any closer to anything happening? Well, well, clearly the arc needs to be updated. I've been saying that probably for the entire time I've been here. Clearly, we need to create a modern facility for the basketball programs and for the university. Yeah. Um, the university, um, the quality of the university is not um, represented in the arc at this point in time. So um, we, we have found a donor that, that, that has helped us. We have created a plan. We know what we need to do in the arc. Um, we know what that would look like to change the uh, feel uh, of the building to give it a more contemporary um, look. We know what that'll cost. So um, we're very, uh, and we are very much actively looking to get that done. And, and quite honestly, that's going to take some people, some friends of the university are going to need to help us, to come alongside us and um, help make that happen. But that is actively going on. Um, we understand that it needs to be done. Um, I know there's always people that say, well, why don't you do this piece of it? And why don't you do that piece of it? Let's, well, what we're trying to do is we understand the scope of what needs to happen in there. And we're looking to... Um, do it in such a way that it's really going to make a significant change and, and make that happen. We understand it needs to happen sooner than later. Um, you know, obviously money is the sure. big thing, right? And you said, I think in the past when we've asked you this, you have often said, we're looking for donors. Now right. it sounds like you found, you've got some people there. Are there other non-traditional ways of trying to, I, I, you know, I have written down here, is there an opportunity to explore naming rights for the building? Have you guys looked at that? or? Is well, we have looked at that. So so we, we, we have actually done the research to figure out if, what the commercial naming rights would be, um, and that's also an avenue to go on. But, but at this point, we haven't found uh, uh, an entity or an organization in northwest Indiana that, that has been interested in doing that. Yeah. So, but that's certainly something that um, we um, we un we've looked at. We understand what the value of it is, um, and we would be happy to do that if we could find somebody that's interested. And we have looked in in those areas. And to this point, we haven't found anybody. So, um, yes, we would we have explored, and we will continue to explore all the avenues available to us to make the um, arena renovations happen. You said. Fall sports are right around the corner. It's late August. I can't believe. I feel like it should be May right now, but right, we're yeah. we're into August here. Teams are here. Uh, exhibition games are taking place already. Uh, I read earlier this week. I think you tweeted about it. The cross country team is like hyped up. They're yeah. supposed to be. Yeah, the men's good. cross country team. Yeah, um, Alex Bruno. They got some really great. Um, they got some really talented kids coming back. 
Um, so we're looking forward to that. Um, it could be the best team that they've had in, in, in a while. And uh, Coach Troubles did a good job of, of trying to um, continue to move that, that program up. So, yeah. Uh, you don't have to go through every sport, um, but what are you excited about for this? Well, obviously you've got Landon Fox coming in. You've got a, a brand-new volleyball team, basically. Uh, what, 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 what has you excited about the fall here at Valpo? Well, I mean, I am excited about football. There's a lot of really positive energy. I'd said that in the 80s insight. Um, Coach Fox has brought a different perspective. Um, he, he's kind of a defensive, not kind of, he is a defensive guy, so he has a different perspective on things. He also has a different energy than, than Dave Cicchini when he was here. Dave left us a great foundation. Dave did a lot to change the culture, to change the program all in, in better ways and put us in good stead. And now um, what Coach Fox has done is kind of change the energy, um, kind of change the focus. He has a real clear understanding of what it takes to compete in the PFL. So um, he's, he's focusing on those areas. Um, it'll be interesting. It's, it's, it's a positive energy. Um, the kids really seem excited. We have some good talent back. I think the recruiting class that David put together, that, that Landon inherited, there's some talented kids in there, and they've added to it. They've added some kids um, since they've gotten here, so um, I'm, I'm really anxious to see. We'll get a we'll get a um, our first view um, at the end of the month. Although you know Eastern Kentucky, um, I'm not exactly sure um, from year to year what you can tell from that opening game. Yeah. But after that, when we come back, I think Central Connecticut will be a, a real good um, um, measure for us about how we've done. We've competed pretty well with the Northeast Conference teams in the past, um, Sacred Heart and um, um, Duquesne. So, that's um, right, that's right. Sorry. Um, so great, we've, we've, great competitive games Yeah, really competitive Duquesne. games against Duquesne. So um, I, I think we're um, that will give us a much better uh, feel. Um, um, a, a lot of it will ride on um, what happens with quarterback. There's a great quarterback competition going on. Jimmy Seawall looks better, but Chris Duncan's really kind of stepped up. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, and obviously volleyball, you know, they made a mm-hmm. run last year in the IVC uh, and graduated a great senior class. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of young kids. They just brought in a, a great senior transfer from Michigan City. Um, so how excited are you uh, to, to see a new wave of player come in? For well, I'm always game. excited for volleyball. Karen Avery has done a tremendous job over her time here. Um, as I mentioned um, in the insight, um, the, the what really kind of sets Karen apart from a lot of other coaches, um, her the way she organizes her team, and if you want to say her system, um, she understands it, and she's good at recruiting people. So um, to, to play in her system, so um, even though she's in a, a this is a transition year, she lost a really talented senior class. Um, I, I fully expect that that they'll go out, they'll play hard. Um, they'll learn her system. They'll play it um, the way that, that she wants them to. Um, they may struggle a little bit because the Valley is so good in volleyball and will be so young. Um, but I know what she's got um, coming in in recruiting classes in that um, in the next couple of years that will add to the people that she's brought in this year. So I think she's just – she understands the transition and she's laying a good base – um, to use this group to help them get better and to help continue with their system. And then um, you'll see in two or three years we'll be really good again. So um, it's just part of that cycle, part of the recruiting cycle. And it's kind of the way she ended up because um, she ended up with a bigger senior class than she initially anticipated because of some injuries and some red yeah. shirts and stuff. So um, 
but it's just the way of it. But but her understanding of who she's got and what she needs to compete and um, the system that she plays um, um, will we'll, we'll be a, a, a transition year, but I think the future is really bright moving forward. And that, as it is for men's and women's soccer yeah. as well. But uh, the podcast is called Union Street Hoops. <laughs> so we're going to get to the hoops part. Okay. First on the women's basketball side, how cool is it to have Danny Franklin here as an assistant coach? You know, we were thrilled when, when we were able to get Danny to come back. Um, Danny is um, a unique talent. Danny is, a, I, would, I would say there are certain people that are Velpo um, student athletes, Velpo um, people. Danny really exemplifies that. Um, Danny came in, she was, she was a talented young woman and she worked hard every day she was here and she got better every year. Um, and she just has a great spirit about her. And so to have her come back, um, and to, to interact with the young women that are here and help them understand the, the way that they can, um, get their best experience out of their um, time at Velpo, I think that's great. Yeah. So there were a couple big stories in the offseason for the men's basketball team. I want to walk through a couple of these mm-hmm. right now. And we'll start with the big one, the, the, the exodus of players mm-hmm. who transferred out. It seemed like every day there, mm-hmm. there was like another player going here. Um, from your chair, I guess, uh, how, how do you take all of this? You know, were our optics important or whatever? I know a couple of years ago when Alec Peters was talking about, you know, we, like, I think Peters and Scara was like, you know, I think you made a comment, something like, you've got to make sure the team stays together mm-hmm. when they were looking at it. And the team, you know, there's a lot of talk outside these walls was the sky was falling and all mm-hmm. of that. I guess, how did you take the, those that two- or three-week period? Well, we were, we were always disappointed when people leave, um, clearly. So, um, I mean, from that standpoint... Um, you know, we're looking at it and we're saying, wow, you know, we think we've given them a, these, these young men a pretty good experience. Um, we think we've helped them to grow and to, to improve, um, to get a good, solid college education. Um, so you're disappointed. But you have to take a step back. And I don't think people fully appreciate the way that the landscape has changed, particularly in um, Division One men's basketball, even over the last two or three years. So um, I, I said this, we, we, we looked, I mean, um, there were last year, there were 90 schools that had four or more kids transfer out. Wow. Um, and that was before the NCAA actually opened the transfer portal. So that's only been in existence since October, which has made it much, or October of, of this past year. So that made it much easier for people to, to decide to transfer. So I don't think people fully appreciate um, the way the environment has changed. Um, of the 90 schools that had four or more transfers, a number, 16 of them made the NCAA tournament the next year, including Texas Tech that played in the championship. They had four kids transfer out um, before last season. Um, the last time we looked, there are 99 schools with four or more kids this year that have transferred out. So it's just the way of it. Um, the, the, the young people that come now don't have the patience necessarily that they used to have. Um, we've, I think we were kind of fortunate. We seem to be spared a lot of that transfer, um, until this last year. But, um, I just think that the way of it, I think the way that, um, kids process things, um, a lot of these young uh, men have a lot of people, um, speaking into their lives, um, with expectations for them. So I think it's just part of it. Um, we have taken a step back. Um, uh, Matt, um, Lodic and I had a lot of really, um, I would say, um, 
honest and difficult conversations after the season about what did we want Valpo basketball to look like. Um, what did we, who were the kind of young men that we wanted to recruit? We kind of took a step back and looked at, well, what did our teams look like um, when we were successful? What kind of people were we bringing in? Um, I, I think um, when you change conferences, one of the um, things that you can fall into is saying, hey, we've moved a step up. We need to have a different kind of kid. Mm-hmm. Or we need to have, hey, we need to get, um, you know, we need to be more athletic or whatever you want. We need to be quicker. Um, and, and I think um, you can fall into that. And if you're not careful, you can um, move away from those young people that have made you successful in the past. And by that, I mean just the way the experience they're looking for, um, what they want to be part of, the things that are important to them. So, um all the young men that were here, there were they're great young men. We wish them all well. Um, I'm sure they'll do well where they're at, um, and that's just the way of it now. But um, you know, we're gonna um, we'll move forward, and y- you'll see more people leave. I'm sure um, everybody's experiencing that. You'll see more people leave. Um, we will not go, you know, five years without probably somebody else deciding to transfer. Um, but we're gonna look. For, we're gonna do spend more time looking for those people that we think are going to value the Velpo experience um, in what we have to offer and want to play it out to the end. Like Alec Beaters, like yeah. Vashiel Fernandez. Um, I could name Who's a whole number of people. Right yeah, I could name a number of uh, other people. Um, so that's where we need, to, um, we, we need to look. So I think we'll be, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, so I, I think the last time we we really had a conversation is I very awkwardly cornered you at Arch Madness a couple hours after <laughs> Valpo lost to Loyola. And I, I don't even like, think it was a couple hours. I it think might it have was been about forty five minutes. minutes. I think it was a couple of minutes. But it was you know the the uh, sometimes as a reporter the job is to ask the mm-hmm. questions the fans are asking and the fans were you know they were down. I, I think a lot of people were. I think you were. I think a lot of people were down on how the season kind of unfolded. And after three years, it. it it's always an awkward question when you've got to ask the athletic director, do you give a vote of confidence to the head coach? And you did. You gave, you mm-hmm. know, said, you know, Lodic is our guy. Uh, and you said that, I, I think that day you said, we're going to sit down and, and come up with a plan of attack mm-hmm. and have some real conversations. In the months that have followed, the team's been rebuilt. Mm-hmm. The roster's been rebuilt. We talked about that just briefly. The team just went 4-0 in Canada, mm-hmm. including beating the defending national champions that, by the way, beat Valpo by 18, the year right. that Valpo set the school record right. for victories. You know all of this. Um, that said, what did some of those conversations, I guess, look like, right? I mean, it, does do the coaches, when they have a bad year, get called into principal's office, so to speak? Or is, is it a heart-to-heart? Just kind of what... Because I, I, you know, fans were were storming the gates a little bit. Sure, right? you know. Sure. How do you react to that now? A couple months out, and as you're preparing for this next season, you, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, just to kind of, it, it's interesting to listen to the perspective of fans, and um, obviously, there's various groups. So there's clearly a group that that thought that that we should make a change. They were pretty vocal about that. They some of them still are. I mean. They tag me on social media. I have a pretty good sense of what their what their thoughts are. It's the blessing and the curse. It's a blessing of, of media. right. It's a blessing and curse. And 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 I would say I'm 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 thrilled that there are people that are that passionate about it and that excited about Absolutely. it that that they want to keep that they keep track of it. And um, but there's also a group of people that that feel like hey, 
Uh, Matt's doing a good job. I um, and and they appreciate the way that we go about um, running the athletics department. I've had a number of local business people that that I see and and that I. Um, you know, would have lunch with and, and talk with who said to me, you know what, we are glad that Valparaiso University is not Vanderbilt. We're glad that they don't dismiss a coach after three years, that there's a reasonableness, a reasonableness to the expectations um, and that that we look to work together to, to make things better. Now, having said that, that's that's not to say that we don't realize that we need to get better and that we don't sit down and have hard conversations about what where we are exactly and uh, what we need to do. And, and as we talked about already, some of those conversations happened. Um, it, it's also um, interesting to me to think that uh, that people don't, don't think that the coaches don't understand that and that they don't feel the same way. Um, you, you know, the coaches, that's all they think about every day. Um, you know, what have we, you know, what do we need to do to get better? What have we, why are we where we are right now? What, what do we need to, what do we need to do to move ahead? So, um, you know, we talked a lot about the makeup of the team. We talked a lot about, um, the things that we need to do. Um, we talked a lot about, you know, what things that could help us to get better, like this trip to Canada. Um, so that's something that we decided that was important and, um, we needed to go out quite honestly and find the funding for that. That's not an inexpensive thing, and it's not something that's built into the budget because you can do it only once every four years. Um, so, you know, we got after that. You know, how do we get the resources together to, 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 to send them to Canada, understanding with a new team that they needed more time together. So um, the other thing that's interesting to me is when we, 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 when we left the MidCon and we joined the um, Horizon League, and everybody was real excited about that, and they said, what a great step up. It took us five years before we won any, a championship in anything. And you Horizon had a full League. year to prepare And for we that did have too. a full year yeah. to prepare. That's exactly right. Um, so um, so it, it, in, even with a full year to prepare, it took us five years to win a championship. Um, and obviously we got pretty good, and, and we won championships in a number of things. The Missouri Valley Conference move was a significantly bigger step up than it was the Midcon to the Horizon League. The anticipation was that it was going to take us a few years to be able to compete where we needed to compete. Um, it's also interesting to me when you look back, you know, everybody's um, kind of getting all excited, or, and I understand why. I'm, I'm going to be saying that about, like, Matt's record the first two years in. But we've had other stretches where we've had actually records that like that or worse, um, not the first year we were in the Horizon League, but the second and third years yeah. we were in when Homer was still the, the head coach. We actually had a, Matt's record, his first two years in the um, Valley as a coach is better than Homer's record was the second and third years yeah. we were in the Horizon League um, as that transition played out. So, um, you know, you've got to, um, to kind of take a step back and understand where you're at, understand what's going on. Make sure you're having the hard conversations about what you need to do to improve, what you need to do to move forward, and then you do need to see progress. So obviously we need to see progress as we move into years four and five um, in the Valley, um, and I believe that will happen. And I think we've um, got a better understanding of why we're at where we're at and what we need to do to move um, ahead in a significantly tougher conference than where we've been in the past. I, I don't know if this is a question that... But, you know, I always wonder what tampering rules are or anything like that. Can you talk about other schools and stuff? But uh, what was your reaction to seeing Bryce and Roger and Jake, you know, and all those guys get pushed out after three years? Yeah, I, I thought mean, that was unfortunate. I, I understand. You know, it's, it's well, 
this is just the 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 um, world that we live in in Division One athletics. Um, I think Bryce deserved more time. Um, certainly, um, that's the way that we um, manage things here. But when you get to that top level, when you're playing in the SEC and you go um, 0 and 18 in your conference season. Um, um, that's probably going to put you in a bad spot. And, and the timing, everything with Bryce, with, with um, the AD that hired him retiring and a new AD coming in, um, and when you're at that level, those ADs, they need to make things happen sooner than later. They have a lot of people, once again, um, speaking into their lives yeah, too. Yeah. Um, so he just got caught up in a, in a, in a bad spot, um, obviously had some bad things happen um, with his team, with injuries and stuff. Um, but it's just the the... It's just the culture that we've built, for better or worse, in Division One athletics over the last, um, I'll say, 20 years. I don't think it was always like this. Um, I've been doing this for about 30 now, and I don't feel like it was like this when I started. But every year it seems to get progressively tougher. Um, and he just ended up in a bad place. He's a really good coach. Um, he will end up um, somewhere um, when he decides to coach again. Well, let's talk about Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, we've talked about, I mean, every time we have you on here, we've talked about scheduling six yeah. different ways from Sunday, right? Uh, it's the hardest part of the job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I thought I understood it. And I sat down with Luke Gore once, I think on the podcast, and he kind of mapped out a little bit. And I came away from it saying, I don't know how anyone gets anything ever scheduled. Right. Um, all of that being said, kind of really feels like a gut punch when two programs, yeah. you know, yeah can simply buy their way out of coming to the right. arc, right? Uh, I've got a couple questions about this. But, sure. But I, I want to start with this one. Maybe now because we're far enough removed from it, you can talk about this. How did the game or games with Vanderbilt come about in the first place? Yeah, sure. The games with Vanderbilt came about because it was part of the buyout in Bryce's contract. So um, part of his buyout was is that if he ever left for another Division One program, that um, he would schedule us as a home-and-home. Home. Um, there was an option to actually to buy it out on the front end, and Vanderbilt chose not to buy it out. They chose to go ahead with the contract. And um, was this when Bryce was still there? This all when was Bryce was first hired. So okay. when he okay. first went... Part of part of his buyout was that was the the understanding, and but whatever school he went to had the option to instead of scheduling the home and home, just buy out the game. Okay. Um, they chose not to buy it out; they chose to schedule it. So we we had a schedule, we had a contract for um, a home and home that um, actually started at Vanderbilt, and then would have had them coming back. Um, they decided after um, Bryce's first year that they didn't like the sequencing of that, so they came back and said, we would like to um, amend that if it's agreeable to you. And we said, um, sure, we're, we're happy to do that. Um, and we kind of flipped the order, and they were going to come here first, and we also upped the buyout. Um, and um, But quite honestly, when we heard that Bryce... Um, was let go there was concern that that game might not ever be played or the game here might not ever be played uh, because it was a series of contracts for a game here and a game there so we were concerned that the game here wouldn't be played but we had put a pretty significant buyout in um and um schools like the sec they have the wherewithal to do that i guess how does Um, how does a number get I, I mean, I, I don't know if you can give the number, but how do you get to that number? How do you? Well, you know, we just put a number in there that was big enough that we thought would incentivize them to want to come. 
Um, but if they didn't come, would give us some resources to do some things for the program. So there's Money negotiation. There's negotiation with that, like anything else, obviously. So I think we suggested a number to begin with that they didn't like, and and, and we did settle on something in, in between. But it was a pretty significant number. Um, and they chose to buy it, which is why we never really spoke about it. We we did. I did make it a comment. I, I know I kind of made a veiled um, comment um, in one of my '80s insights about we're excited about an SEC team. At that point, they were they were talking like they were still coming, and that was even after Bryce left. They were they were like, "Oh no, we're coming." Um, and then probably I don't know six weeks ago, everything started to come uh, to move in a different direction. So um, so that one, the one that really surprised us. Um, was the George Washington. That I really have, surprised us. I have written down on my notes here. I say, George Washington buying out was shocking to me. It was almost a, quote, who do these guys think they are kind of feel. Yeah. Why Why is it so, like, it doesn't make sense. Obviously. Because Valpo beat them? No, at- well, I, I well, they have a brand new coach. Okay. They have a brand new athletic director. Um, I think in the last year um, she's she she got there. So um, that one made little sense to us because there was a progression with that too. So obviously we played there first and we had an, a, a, an agreement with them. And then um, we sent a new contract um, after the first of the year for the, for the return game here. And we actually upped the buyout. Um, and we put a number in that, that at the, when we put it in, we thought, well, Atlantic 10 team's not going to buy out at this. Um, and so we, we were confident enough. We had the date set December 7th. We had a new contract after the first of the year for the game. So we went ahead and announced it. We thought, well, um, probably about a month ago we got, they called us and said, uh, we don't believe we're going to come. And I called their athletic director and we had a long conversation and quite honestly, it doesn't make um, a lot of sense to me, um, because not only did they have to pay us not to play us, but they're now paying somebody to play they're them at Delaware, home. I think, yeah. Right. So when you put those two numbers together and you do the math on what they paid to be able to play a game at home on December 7th, I, from my perspective, it makes little sense. Obviously, it makes sense from their perspective, from, but my perspective, to think that an Atlantic 10 team would spend that much money to have a home game... Um, um, uh, one of the things that's disappointing, and I had this conversation with um, the AD at George Washington, is um, the Power Five schools, our conferences, are clearly moving in a direction to try to have uh, where they'll be able to limit our games with them, because they see us as just schools that are uh, conferences like the Missouri Valley and the Atlantic Ten, the Mountain West, the West Coast. They see us as school as programs that are all going to be good enough to take spots away from their teams in the tournament, and not only take spots away but beat them. Um, so they are moving to scheduling models and challenges and stuff that are really limiting our ability to play Power Five schools. And this is why Purdue will play a Chicago right. State, but won't yes, play a Valpo. That's right? exactly right. So um, it's disappointing to me that our colleagues in peer conferences that we have not been able to get together and help each other because I believe if we don't help each other if we don't do a better job of coming together and strategizing just like the power five conferences are doing strategizing if we don't strategize as a group we may find ourselves in a few years in a spot that really is a problem for us as far as scheduling Mark Adams of ESPN has been on this train for a long time you know and it uh it it just it, it just felt again I've got it written that it felt like a gut punch right yeah. to realize I mean the Vanderbilt thing and I want to circle back to that in a second but um, like again George Washington it's like 
you guys should be playing eight. Yeah, schools, we should be. Right? Absolutely, that, we should be. That, that you know, the commissioner Doug right. Elgin has talked about yeah. partnering with them. Um, obviously, you know, the Vanderbilt game was appealing because it's an SEC mm-hmm. team. I know for me, it lost a little bit of luster when Bryce Drew was no longer the coach there, but it's still an SEC team. Right. All that being said, I know that college athletics is a business. Is there a is there a line? I guess maybe financially speaking, where you know the maybe the money is better than getting the team coming in or whatever. I mean, I guess, or is it just disappointment that they're not coming in? Well, it's disappointment they're not coming in. I mean, the resources will be, the resources are being put back into the basketball program. So the resources are nice. I mean, that's money that's difficult for us to generate. Um, so to be able to have that is is good. Um, it is disappointing. Um, it'll be interesting to see how things play out. I don't think, um, I don't think the average fan yet completely understands um, the difference between RPI and net. Yeah, well, and I the, don't understand this. Well, <laughs> well the, the reality is is it takes a supercomputer on the, and from Google to actually calculate the net um, because it's not a static number like the RPI. But, but what's happened is, um, as people have looked at the first year of the net information, and they're drawing conclusions for that, we had a, we had a meeting, the Missouri Valley basketball coaches and ADs, where we had a presentation by Kyle Wilston on the net, and um, the conclusion that people are coming to on on the net are 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 significantly different for scheduling than the conclusions they came from from the RPI. So it used to be back in the day when you looked at the RPI, it's like, well, we need to get our RPI up, and the way you do that is to play better RPI teams. So figure out the best RPI schools you can play and have the good chance to beat, and that will continue to lift your RPI. Um, as people look at the net, they're drawing a completely different conclusion. Um, so because the net has so many different components, and even though the margin of victory is capped at 10, there's, there is your full offensive and defensive efficiency, yeah. our components. So the conclusion that people have had, and this is we call, we'll call this the Wofford effect. So when people look at Wofford's schedule from last year, they were a top 20 net team. And when you look at their non-conference schedule, they actually got bought four times. They played five high major. They played five power five schools. Four of those were away games that we're assuming they got paid to go play. They lost every single one of them. But the rest of their non-conference schedule, they played a fairly, what people would historically say would be fairly weak, and they beat those teams by 12, 15, 20 points. So as they got into league play, they had a pretty good net. So the conclusion that people are getting from the net is, you know what, schools like us, we can afford to be bought more often now. So it used to be you wanted to limit your guarantee games because you you didn't want to take those losses. Now people are saying, hey, we can take two, three, maybe four, like Wofford did. It doesn't matter if we win. Now we need to go find 250-plus net teams and drub them. Yeah, that's... Gaming the system is uh... <laughs> so. What's happening is those schools, those schools that are two fifty plus, everybody wants to play them now. Yeah, and they're so it's driving and they're and it's driving up the guarantees for everybody because everybody's offering them money. So people are so is um, as we're looking to schedule, and this will be the first year where we're going to pay people to come play us. But what people are asking for are like crazy numbers because everybody's after the same number. They're basically after the same group of teams, and everybody's throwing money at them to get them to come play. So it's gotten to be a really kind of complicated um, – 
and very competitive, and I think it's getting crazy. It'll be curious to see where it ends up. Uh, one of the problems for us is the George Washington thing happened kind of late in the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought that was set. Um, so a lot of the schools we would have liked to play um, were not, were just not available to do it, even if we off, even when we offered to pay them. Like there's Horizon League schools we'd love to play, and we actually offered to pay some of them, and they just can't come. So, so um, yeah, we, it's it's getting to, it's a very interesting time for college basketball scheduling. This feels like a really like finesse situation of you you so you go to the coaches and I don't know if you go to the or coaches oh. need to figure out okay we need to generate a a you need to generate right. money that's your job uh, but they need to get a good net number right um, you know because if they get to the tournament you know you uh. obviously want to and so but I don't think any coach wants to sign up to say okay let's go get beat on the road you know because right. obviously when you go and play by games the idea is you know they're gonna get the reps they're right. gonna have the fan right. all that stuff it just it feels like uh it and, and also it always felt like playing by games is like one of those kind of embarrassing things you don't sure. want to admit right and then maybe right. that, that that line of thinking has changed a little bit it seems like it has changed a little bit and like you'll see i know missouri state has three at least three by games this year and and part of that's come out of the conversations that we had as a, as a league because what people are what the, the point that people have come to is all right we're willing to get bought because if you look once again at, at and it's not just Wofford, I, there were um, in the top 50 net, I think there might have been five or six um, what we consider mid-majors. UNC Greensboro, mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm trying to remember who else was in there, um, Utah State, um, we looked at all of them, Murray State, um, Belmont, they all had similar looks to their schedule. They lost, um, for the most part, they lost by games, and they all played multiple by games, but they all beat um, their non-conference opponents outside of the Power Five by significant margins. So, um, you know, as people look at that data, they're saying that's what we need to do. So what, what you're seeing is a shift in, um, is, is schools, some mid-majors of schools are saying, all right, we'll be bought more often, uh, and then we're going to take that money and we're going to buy our own home games that we think we can win and we can win um, by, once again, a, um, a significant margin. So you're going to see more of that. Um, and then we'll see how it plays out over the next couple of years. And I, I would imagine here, um, you know, I've, I've got a lengthy question written out that I'm, uh-huh. I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit. It, you know, with the buyout money you got from uh-huh. Vanderbilt and George Washington, it sounds like you're kind of reallocating some of that to bring yeah. in some teams. Because obviously you lost two home games. We did lose two home games. Yeah. So we are reallocating that. What we What we decided that we needed to do with the money is the most important thing for us right now is um, – the team needs to be better. We need to continue to make progress toward competing for Missouri Valley Championship. Um, so we're going to spend that money directly on the team. I'm I'm sure, I'm going to guess there's people out there, uh, uh, people have said things to me like, um, gee, if you're going to get money like that, why don't you buy a new sound system or why don't you do that? And those are all good, legitimate points. The sound system in the arc is not good. Um, but the new sound system doesn't make the basketball team better, and the priority needs to be that the basketball team needs to be better. So what, what do, how are we going to invest those resources in making the basketball team better? Um, buying some games is going to help with that. Um, we need to f- configure the schedule differently. Um, I do think we had too much travel last year. I think it wear it, not only does it wear people out, but it limits the amount of practice that make kids mm-hmm. better. So um, we're going to invest in schedule. We invested in the foreign trip to Canada. 
there's some additional things we're going to invest in as far as the team is as far as um, that will make them better um, um, just kind of some of the way we recruit some of the nutritional things that that they need um, so that's what the plan is because the number one priority is we need the team to get better and to compete for a championship and once that happens people will come and that is we talked about before we do understand that the arc needs to be done and we'll address the arc differently um, but right now, the, the resources that we got from being bought out need to go back to making the team actually better. Three more for you. Sure. And they're all kind of different questions. I got a curveball for you. Yeah, okay. This is a fun one. Uh, it's fun for some, dangerous <laughs> for others. September 1st is a big day. Legal sports gambling is taking effect in Indiana on September 1st. I, I know the compliance department talks to the teams uh. every, every year. Uh, especially like the basketball team's going to Vegas and sure. then, you know, just don't bet on anything, yeah. all that stuff, right? Uh, this feels different. This is in the backyard, right? There's three casinos in the area yeah. who are going to get gaming licenses, uh, according to some stuff that I've read. The Indian, uh, Indy Star did a great article kind of breaking yeah. all this down. I know Todd Golden just spent, uh, covers Indiana State, just spent some time with the Indiana Gaming Commission. He's looking at this. Um, we all as writers in the Valley have kind of talked about like, well, oh, you know, this is a reality in Illinois and Indiana now. How are we going to cover this? And I guess I, w I just want to ask, um, how is this, I mean, does it really impact or anything like that? Because the mobile live sports betting is coming, and people are right. going to be sitting in the arc with the ability to make wagers from the comfort of their seat on what's happening yeah. in front of them. I, it, it feels wrong, but it also is the, what professional sports has been doing for a long time, too, it feels like. Sure. Well, a, a couple things about it. First, um, people have been able to bet in our games for a, quite a while now yeah. already. And I, I do know people. I do have friends that, that have bet in our games for years. I mean, you could go online and you could place bets at yeah. a number of places. So whether you, It whether feels it, more accepted now. Right. It, it, well, it clearly is more accepted. Now, um, the fact that um, states can have it uh, is, is, is a concern. Um, so that's put a whole new dimension on it. And what the prospect of what you just talked about is very concerning. So um, we've been um, strong advocates. Um, um, the the, the, the uh, Division One schools in the state of Indiana have actually already gotten together. Um, President Heckler was um, right out in the forefront of this. Um, we've um, There was a forum with the Indiana Gaming Commission um, probably about a month ago. Um, that um, I think the majority of Division One schools attended. Um, what we've been pushing for very strenuously is geofencing. Yep. So um, we we are strong advocates for saying there needs to be geofencing for college athletics events, and that people cannot have the ability to bet in live time on our events as they happen in the building. And this is something that in New Jersey, uh, I actually <coughs> spent some time in New Jersey. <coughs> earlier this summer because I wanted to try to understand how this works a little bit, you know, and, and there is there is a good number of geofencing things out there already. Like if you have a, uh, you know, you've got to be on their Wi-Fi in order to accept it. And so I'm sure there's ways to block all of that stuff, right? right. I'm sure there's ways for Valpo Wi-Fi to not allow those situations out there. But, right. you know, people are going to get through. And, and again, I just, I thought it was interesting to see if, if you kind of thought this was a new world order it approaching. Is, it is a new world order. Like I said, it, it's been out there for a long time. People have been doing it, but this does change the game significantly. And we have been tracking on it, and we are very concerned with it, that it will be right here. And we were very, we were specifically concerned about the scenario you said, people literally sitting in the ark 
betting on the game as it goes on. And so we've been very proactive along with all the other Division I schools in Indiana saying, Indiana, as you move forward to this, you need to make sure there are strong regulations in place to do with geofencing to make sure that that doesn't happen. And the way that the stru- think the way you structure um, how games can be bet on in the state of Indiana, um, it, it, just because the, some of the scenarios you can play out if you just if it's just an open field is is are, are not good and are are, are worrisome. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm sure that. I'm kind of interested to see how this unfolds, yeah. you know, and and uh, and I'm sure this will be a conversation down the line. You mentioned President Heckler. Uh, my next question: He just uh, he recently announced that he recommended the board of directors mm-hmm. they begin finding his replacement, and they've accepted his recommendation. There's no real timetable right now, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to maybe say a few words about working with President Heckler, and and then really what a new president, what that could mean for athletics, if anything. It's probably too early, but I wanted to just give you the chance to talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's, um, first of all, it's, I'll say it's, well, I want to start with this. Um, I have, I enjoy very much working with President Heckler. I think that uh, President Heckler has not given enough um, due and not giving enough credit for uh, the support that he has um, put uh, behind athletics. Um, everybody wants to judge um, Mark Heckler's, I think, support for athletics by the arc, which I think is a significant mistake. Um, we are not in the Missouri Valley Conference without Mark Heckler. Um, he understood the importance of that. Um, he was a key, um, he, he might have been the important person in the conversations when the Valley came to visit, but also um, with the board of directors. So the board of directors did take time to evaluate that. Um, and they did endorse that move, um, but Mark was a critical part of that, of supporting that. <clears throat> he was also an important part of, of, of the support that's gone to basketball. Um, a lot of resources have been put into basketball. I know there are a lot of people that think we should put in more, but I don't think they completely understand uh, the context. Um, I can tell you that our investments are on, um, on par with our peer institutions. We can track that. <clears throat> Um, so, um, and he's been the person behind that, and he's been very supportive. Um, he does take time to meet with coaches. Um, he does take time to be part of in, um, in recruiting um, when it's appropriate. Um, he, he's met with some important recruits over the years. Um, he's helped with um, with with the coaches. So, um, I think Mark Heckler has. I, I I think he's done a wonderful job for the university. I've enjoyed working with him, and I think he has done numerous things to move our athletics program forward. What a new president means for athletics, I'm not, I can't, I I don't have any way, yeah, it's too early, I don't have any way to to assess that. Um, I do know that, obviously, that the university has a long tradition of um, excellence in athletics, that basketball clearly is a, is a significant part of the university, has contributed a lot to the university's reputation, um, and I can't imagine that that would change regardless of, of, of who the president is. So, I'm going to end with this. You, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but I, you know, it seems like a good question to end on. We're about to enter year three of the Missouri Valley Conference. And with few exceptions, as we talked about, you know, it, was a, it was a tougher transition into the Valley right. than it was in the Horizon League. 
in the latter years of the Horizon League, you had NCAA tournaments in men's basketball, baseball, softball, women's soccer. Mm-hmm. And it just, the success. Men's golf. Men's golf, yes. Sorry about that. I, it's I, okay. I, I, didn't get to go, I didn't get to go down to Florida to see that one happen. That was just so, in Ohio. Uh, so, oh, the tournament. Well, they won the tournament. Yeah. They won the championship in Florida. You're right. So these programs have, have, have not had, I mean, the, the, the men's basketball, baseball, softball, women's soccer in particular, have all kind of significantly struggled a little mm-hmm. bit in their in their transition to the valley, and again, that's to be expected, right? It was a it's a harder jump up. Mm-hmm. You didn't have the year buffer and all of that. Um, all of that said, you're getting into year three. What's the conversation like with the coaches? I guess you know is do you have a timetable of when you need this to to you know at at <laughs> what point is it no longer we're transitioning to the valley at what point is it let's it's time to go it's time to win well we, we certainly want to win now um but I'll, I'll go back to the, what i said earlier it took us five years yeah. before we won a horizon league championship so and essentially what you're looking at is a recruiting an entire recruiting cycle so um in many of the sports the competition is a significant level up so i mean let's talk about baseball for instance i mean the Valley had two teams in the NCAA baseball tournament. They, they had the conference championships. The yeah, they right. had a big right, and they had an at-large. And I think it's the probably the fifth or sixth year in a row where they've had an at-large team. The Horizon League has never had an at-large team in baseball. Same thing with volleyball. I mean, the Valley had multiple teams in the volleyball championship. The Horizon League has never had multiple teams in 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 um, so. That step up to find those student athletes that can play at that level, that's going to take a couple of recruiting cycles. Um, in the Horizon League, it essentially took the entire recruiting. I mean, it took a four-year, a full recruiting t- cycle. So back now that we're in the third year, as we go into the fourth year, is the coaches have had the opportunity to recruit as members of the Valley. Um, I see. You, I think you are seeing different skill level coming in um, with, with the, um, different programs. Um, so I think it's just going to take another year or two to play out. Um, we do expect, um, pro- I would say, going into the fourth year. This year I expect us to be better. I, I believe we will be um, in all those sports um, where, we, where they have the resources, and we want to make sure we're careful with that. So, and by that I mean the scholarships to, to be able to compete. Um, and then as we move into the fourth year, um, that's where we're going to want to see some, some real, I think, um, some real improvement. Well, thank you again for yeah. taking the time. Uh, we touched on a myriad of topics, uh, and you know, this is uh, it's exciting, right? It's exciting yeah, it to is have very the exciting. Back, yeah, and, uh, and all of that. So, Mark LaBarber, thank you as always, and we'll have you again, maybe uh, you know, after basketball. Season. Always a pleasure, Paul. Anytime.